welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Last, last week we touched on several different verses and one of the pivotal verses that we, that we touched on was in, was in Proverbs 18 verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Amen. The tongue has the power of life and death. I'll just go to that verse. We've covered a lot of this, so I'm not going to go through this. Please listen to part one of this, of this message. It'll help you with a stack of the verses that Jesus spoke and how he shifted and how he brought life into the situation. But one of the key things here that we often hear this death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Right? There's another version here. It says, your words are so powerful that they kill, that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences of this. And another thing that I'd mentioned was also this, that as I think, so I feel. And as I feel, so I do. And as I do, so I have. And if you heard Shami earlier, he actually mentioned some of these things even in that declaration. So as I think, say it with me, as I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. And as I do, so I have. So it starts in the place of your mind, right? As a man thinketh, so he is. And that's the power of imagination that I want to touch on the next time I come on. And so moving on, moving on from here, you heard the interview by Nandi as well, and she shared some really wonderful aspects. Again, please go back to last week. And these were the questions in your field of work. What percentage of clients would you say struggle to change their script or narrative, right? And the other was, how is, it, how is that related to the brain, and, and what's one simple exercise that you can do to switch the old and switch on the new. Amen. Though, you know, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, that when you are in Christ, all things have passed away and behold, all things are new. So the point of that verse is simply this, that the slate has been cleaned. Your past has been reckoned with. And today, we were taken wonderfully through communion today to bring that to mind. Remember, that was what we were told. Remember. What do we remember? Do we remember our old script? Or do we remember the new that He has already put before us? But how is it that you are to know what is new when you are consistently focusing on the old? Right? So I'm going to invite Gary Horowitz. Gary is going to come up. He's going to share something with... He shared something with me at uh, our prayer meeting and I thought would be good for me to have you say the very same thing. Sure. I, I was... Uh, Why don't you face them? That'll be wonderful. I was, uh, hey, Gary. Good day. How are you? <laughs> I was delighted last week when I saw the up-and-coming message last Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'd been sharing with those close to me, my mother and my neighbour of how God was talking to me about the use of words and the importance of them. And I shared with both of them that that delight of that message and how important, not just the importance, 
But I'd say that it's essential mm. and vital. Mm. In James uh, chapter 3, it talks about the tongue uh, guiding our whole being like a rudder mm-hmm. guides a ship. That's right. Correct. That's good. Yeah. Um, early in my Christianity, God had spoke, spoken to me about this subject and uh, um, I had a confession sheet that I used to speak daily uh, after prayer in the morning and then I'd come home at lunchtime. I'd confess those um, scriptures again. And when I went to work, when someone would come against me in the workplace mm. or they'd bring some work and try to overwhelm, I would say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen, amen. And That's good. in the That's end, wonderful. my co-workers were saying the same thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Amen. And, and they didn't know that they amen. were speaking the scriptures. Amen. That's wonderful. Yeah, in recent times, once again, the Lord has been speaking to me about it. Every time I turn on Christian TV, I hear, what did you say? Or don't complain. it's mm. good. Um, the scripture that comes to me is Romans 8.31. What will you say to mm. these things? Mm. Mm. If God be for you, who can be against, can be against you? you? Amen, amen. Jesus wonderful. is the word. Yes. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thanks, Gary. Jess. I'm going to put Jess not really on the spot as well. I did mention to you on Wednesday too. Um, hi. Uh, yes, a bit on the spot, but that's okay. Um, it was really interesting on the message last week. It was um, really timely because in that week I was reading just a really short book And it really challenged me and it was all about, you know, kind of hearing God's voice and where is God's voice in in the midst of everything. And the first thing Pastor Larry said on Sunday last week was, you do hear God's voice. Don't don't be, um, don't question that, you do hear God's voice. And then I was thinking about that and all this week I've been reading a book on blessing and the principle of speaking out blessing over our families, over our children, over our friends and over ourselves. And um, I've been particularly meditating on on the Abrahamic blessing that's spoken and speaking that over ourselves mm. as well because, um, yeah, it's just been really revealed to me that the words that we speak shape our minds and it shapes um, what we actually believe on a subconscious level and that filters through everything. That's wonderful. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thanks so much. I, I'm not sure whether you made it clear, Jess, but the book that you were reading about hearing the voice of God actually denied you, I mean, denied that that is possible in this day and age, that because we have the perfect, so this is an imperfect aspect. Hearing God is not not, um, possible anymore. We got to go to the Word. We just got to read the Word, and that's how we hear God. We can't hear God audibly, or we can't hear God in our spirit. That's what that book says. And so, when, when she was listening to the message, the very first words that I said was this, you can hear God, right? So those were the words that spoke into a setting that she had been confronted with this. This is, 
this is quite ridiculous. I buy a book on wanting to know how to hear the voice of God. And here it tells me, no, you can't really hear the voice of God. You can only read, you can only hear the voice of God through reading the word. And then now one comes and speaks into that setting and says that you can hear the voice of God. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Amen. The Lord says that. Hallelujah. So we as believers, not just because we are Pentecostals, but we as evangelicals, we believe the fact that God speaks to us, right? And we hear His voice. And that is important because we need to be speaking the voice of God because we are His ambassadors. We are His hand and His feet and His mouth and His earpiece and His mouthpiece. So we begin to speak and we begin to declare. So today I want to touch on the fact that do my words bring life? Do they build up or do they bring death? Meaning do they cut down, right? And so we see this in, in, in James which was mentioned earlier, right? The tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts and consider what a great, what a great forest is set when a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, the tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts, and the whole body sets the whole course on one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Imagine that. Right? So verse 7, it says, All kinds of animals... Birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can take the tongue. It is restless. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Imagine that. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness, right? And in verse 10, it says this, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, the tongue. So the tongue is so, so incredibly powerful. And to tame the tongue is, is actually really difficult. Personally, I struggle with it. I struggle to tame it down. You know, I stuff up so many times, right? So many times. You want to say the right thing and then the wrong thing comes out. You know, rarely you want to say the wrong thing and the right thing comes up. I wish that was the case. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, wish, I wish that was the case, right? But, you know, as, as we look at that now, we look at the context of bless. You just heard Jess speak about blessings and I shared about, you know, the sympathetic vibration. So within the context of, of blessing, you know, just looking at the acronym for bless, B-L-E-S-S, -S, you get, are your words now building words? Are they loving words? Are they encouraging words? Are they soothing words? Are they spirit-filled words, right? And in, the same, and in the same token, you find that there are curses. We can speak a curse and looking at the acronym as well. Are your words critical? Are they unwholesome? Are they ridiculing? Are they sharp? And are they evil words? What are our words like? And so often we realize that these words to someone else, to a friend, to someone outside of our family context, most probably we can, we will speak, you know, blessing 
words that will bless. Why? Because we don't want them to think badly of us. But within the context of our families, we slip up so easily. Right? But also, on the other hand, what are your words like behind that person's back? Yeah, you may not be speaking to him, but you're speaking into the atmosphere about him or her. Amen? And what you speak, you are actually embracing that thought. Right? What we begin to speak, we embrace the thought. So if, if, if we're speaking ill of that person, behind that person's back, it is, it tantamounts, I want to say this, it tantamounts to the same thing. Because we're speaking that out within the atmosphere. Amen? We're speaking, and, and you know what? It comes out of us at some point in time. So building words, right? Building words are this. They, they instruct, they improve, they build up, they edify, they affirm, or they promote growth. Do not, in Ephesians chapter 4, 29, it says this. And, sorry, critical words judge and find fault. They tear down, they discourage you, or they focus on your defects and inadequacies to make, actually often to make the person who's criticizing feel good. Often it's like that when someone criticizes you, right? It is to make, it is that that person, you know, feels good, in a sense, unknowingly. But in Ephesians 4.29, it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That it may benefit. Let's, let's uh, read that together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Right? Sincere compliments and words of affirmation, friends, do strengthen people. And they do strengthen them positively. Amen? Now, God's Word builds, up, builds us up by telling us who we are in Christ and how we are to live victoriously. Now, where else, as you, as you saw that critical, critical words are this. You know, they, in contrast, they are words that judge and find fault. They tear down, they discourage you, and they focus on your defects and inadequacies as a way, as I said, as a way to make them feel good, right? So with their words... The godless destroy their friends in Proverbs 11 verse 9 with their words. So our words are extremely, extremely vital. Man. You know, there's a story of, uh, of, of this, this client that went to a, a psychologist and, um, and it's not Nandi. Just to just to sort of uh, kind of clarify that. So the client tried to give this, she went to a psychologist for some advice, and so the, the counselor or the psychologist suggested that she, she does this. So, so she goes now to her critical mother with what she feels is the perfect Christmas gift. Now, with little money that she had, she listed about 10 projects, that her mother wanted done and promised to complete them. When her mother, upon seeing the Christmas gift, when the mother opened the gift and read the list, these were her words, is that all? Is that all? So with these three small words, she crushed her daughter. 
just crush the daughter just like that. Now, do you want to be known as a problem identifier or an encourager? A giver of life or a giver of death? Constructive criticism, on the other hand, provides needed feedback, though. Amen? I'm not saying that we don't bring, that, that we don't give constructive criticism at all. I'm not saying that we are not to correct any situation at all, but it is, it is, I suppose you and I believe it is in the manner in which it comes across. Amen? It's not just us always needing to say the nice and the right things. It's, it's more about how and what is said that is way more important, friends. Right? Are my words loving and wholesome? Right? So loving. Loving words are Thank you. Are my words loving and, and wholesome? So loving words reflect God's nature. Love is a hallmark of a believer. So there are stacks of scriptures there, and I hope you can, I hope you can see them, right? In John 13, verse 30, John 13, verse 35, then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3, Ephesians 4, 15 and 25, you know, Romans 13, 10. I'll just zip through these verses here. It says in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the words that we speak of one another. Now 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3, it says, Love seeks a person's eternal best and tells the truth in a constructive way. It never really flatters, but warns, confronts, and it actually protects. Right? It protects. So instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, Ephesians 4, 15, and 25. Instead of merely just loving to speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. You've heard me say this many times. Sometimes we just love to speak the truth, right? But it says here, speak the truth in love. So love does no wrong to others in Romans 13, verse 10. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. In Proverbs 27, 5, it says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds of a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You see that in Judas. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's important that we check the motive behind what we want to say or what you want to say. Sincere love really blesses people. Sincere love blesses people, right? Unwholesome. Unwholesome words are opposite of loving words. Now, they make unfair comparisons. Why can't you, right? Why can't you? Oh, gosh. Uh, sorry. Let me get back to... May not be... May not be there. Um, unwholesome words are opposite of loving words. They make unfair comparisons. Why can't you? Why can't you be like? Why can't you be like so and so? They have what I call a wheelbarrow mentality. That is when you know when someone comes to you and all they do is they just dump, dump over to you their worries. They begin to gossip. They begin to come with negative aspects. Hey, you know, so-and-so is this, so-and-so is that. So they come with this whole wheelbarrow mindset. You know, when you're wheelbarrowing things, you just come and all you and I do is that we dump. So such talk harms people's mental and moral well-being. Where else? Whereas 
Love speaks the truth for the good of the hearer and shows respect. Unwholesome words manipulate and use people, and it grieves the Holy Spirit as we looked earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 30. Now, there are other passages of Scripture. You might want to write these, these ones down because I don't think they're on the, on the slide there. My apologies for that. A lying tongue hates its victim, a flattering word, and flattering words cause ruin in Pro Proverbs 26, verse 28. In Proverbs 10, 19, it says this, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Imagine that. When there are so many words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Amen. Psalm 141, verse 3, it says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. That should be our prayer. Take control, Lord, of what I am wanting to say, or what I say, and guard my lips. Philippians 2.14, it says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. How many times does it feel like when you've got uh, teenage kids, when they, suddenly when they become teenagers, right? It happens like that, isn't it? That you ask them, hey, uh, can you please pass me the, the remote? <laughs> right? Anyway, Oh, gosh, can't you just get up there and, and get the remote yourself? Do I really have to? I'm in my bedroom at the moment. <laughs> but, but, but when they're kids and when you say, Olivia, can you get me the remote? Yes, Dad. And they run from their bedroom and they come and give it to you, right? You know, I'm just being kind of really facetious here. But, but so often when... You know, it happens that when you ask them, I, don't, I really don't have time. Do I need to do that now? Can I do, can I do that five minutes later? Can I do that ten minutes later? And it, is, it may probably not be done ten minutes later. And so many of us ex experience that, 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 a that aspect, right, where, you know, the... Not even sure where I was going with this. Oh yeah, in the multi I think in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is, is, is oh no, sorry. It's Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So the context of grumbling that, you know, as staff, your boss may tell you something. Do you do it willingly or do you grumble? As leaders, maybe your pastors might come alongside and tell you, your ministry heads might come and say, hey, make sure you're here on, on time at a particular time. And then, oh gosh, do I have to get there this early? It's winter. Can't we start a little later? You know, that, that sort of a thing. Grumbling and arguing. And, but here, the Lord says that whatever you do, Colossians 3.16, whatever you do, do your work as unto the Lord knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of your inheritance. So take control of what I say, Lord, in Psalm 141, verse 3. O Lord, and guard my lips. A gossip betrays confidence, separates close friends, keeps a quarrel going in Proverbs 11, verse 13. 16, verse 28, and 26, verse 20 and 21. Let me repeat that. Proverbs 11, 13, 16, 28, 26, 20, and 21. Now, the next point. Does my tongue encourage life or, ridic or ridicule, meaning bring death? Now, the word encourage, it's to encourage is to inspire with courage or hope. 
Amen? It is to inspire courage or hope. Encouragement provides the home team advantage. It urges people to press on, to be brave, to have confidence, and exercise their God-given gifts. It says, hey, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? You are not alone. I believe in you. That is what encouragement says. Hey, you're not alone. I believe in you. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. When I see young Stephen up there playing, you know, it's, 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 it's really encouraging for me to see that, see a young 15-year-old, 14-year-old, you know, playing drums, and, and, he, and plays it well, right? He comes, and then you give some instructions, and he follows it, and he takes it on, and he improves. I mean, it's such an encouragement. It, it brings life, and, and, and I'm hoping it, it brings life to you, that when you play there, and when you're, when, you're, when you're given a particular instruction, hey, play halftime, play, or cut time this way, you know, that sort of a thing. And it just, you know, it's, it's, it's so good to see that really begin to happen, Right? I'm sure the, the coaches are here, you know, when you coach the kids and when you encourage the kids, you know, when you encourage them and you see things begin to happen and, and you see certain of their skills come to life, it just, it, it not only does something to you, but it begins to give them life, amen? You know, and so we need to be involved in a setting where we see that this is what we're doing as, as we continue to encourage. Are we speaking life into that situation? Whether we're bringing constructive criticism, whether we're bringing some adjustments, is life actually starting to happen in this way? And if you find that someone is not really receiving it, then I think maybe it might be wise to just pull back. Because maybe that, 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 that soil is not ready to receive that. Amen? Right. So we, we encourage people by showing respect for them, even when their opinions are different from ours. We listen and try to empathize, right? We listen. But encourage one another in Hebrews 3.13, it says this, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 says this, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Help the weak, be, be patient with, with everyone, right? You know, geese in flight, do you know what they do? They honk. I used to have a little sticker in my car way back in Malaysia, honk if you love Jesus. I don't know whether you remember those kind of bumper stickers, honk if you have Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm no geese though, you know, in that sense. But as I was looking at this, just occurred to me that, you know, geese in flight, they honk to encourage the goose in front who breaks the resistance of the wind. So the, the one right in front, you know, is breaking the resistance of the wind. So, so, in a sense, if I ask you this question, whom are you breaking wind for? <laughs> Maybe that's not the right way to put it. Maybe that's not the right question to do it. But if you're breaking wind for someone, man, you better make sure someone honks you like anything. <laughs> Amen. I don't think you'll ever forget that now. <laughs> right? Now, to ridicule, for instance... Conversely, ridicule mocks, it derides, it taunts, it name calls. 
You know, when I was growing up in school, you know, there, there was a particular name that they used to call me, and it, it really crushed me. You know, it really, really crushed me. And when I see some of my old friends, you know, I often wonder whether they're going to be calling me that. And, and so sometimes I, I, at this age, I hesitate, you know, getting in touch with some of my old friends from way back from, way back from Malaysia because they don't know me as a believer right now. They don't even know that I'm a pastor, right? They know me as a little rascal, one of them, you know, in a sense. But it's, it's that whole aspect that, you know, sometimes these things in the back of our minds and in the back of our lives, they tend to still taunt us. They tend to still have an effect and an impact on our lives. And so someone might say something to you and it triggers that. And we don't realize it. Amen? We don't, we don't quite realize it. Just mentioned something about the subconscious. And it's there. It's in there. And so when it comes, friends, we need to work on dealing with it. Because we don't want those words to still have a grip on our lives. It's nothing to do with them now. It's us. Amen? So what are these words? Now, a friend's family called her little dummy growing up. Name-calling is not funny to the one that's ridiculed, right? Do, do you realize, sometimes have you, heard your, have you heard parents calling their kids, oh, hey, chimpanzee, come on, little chimp, you know? You know, you know that, that sort of a thing, you know, those kind of words that, you, that we use. And we say, oh, no, those are just endearing words. They are just endearing words. And so then when you find your child suddenly climbing up here and there, and then you think to yourself, oh gosh, what have I now really begun to do? You know, have I released that person out of the zoo in a sense? And, you know, and, and that person's kind of taken up that, that role. And, and, you know, as we think about it, we may think, no, that, that's ridiculous. That can't be. But friends, the more we speak that, the more we're speaking that setting into that person, really. Right? And, and it does, you know, I... I didn't think it really mattered in the past. But the more and more as I look at the Word of God, I realize that we frame things. We call things. You know, in, in I believe in Romans, I read that verse earlier, and uh, I, I think it will be up on one of the slides here as well, where the Word of the Lord says that He called the things that are not as though they were. He called the things that are not as though they were. So healing. You can call healing into being. You can call certain things into being and it can come to pass. It can actually really begin to happen. Right? So ridicule can also take the form of making light of someone's sorrow. Nor should there be obscenity, ob, ob, obscenity foolish talk, or coerced joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. Before you ridicule someone, remember what James 3.6 says that destructive words are fueled by hell itself. Destructive words are fueled by the fires of hell. Right? Is my tongue soothing or sharp? Right? That was the last, uh, I, that was the second last S. Right? B-L-E. We've just finished the E. Now we're coming to the S part. Are your words soothing? Are they soothing words heal? A quiet and gentle spirit 
is precious to God. Now, the soothing tongue in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says this, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. But the perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Proverbs 25, verse 15. And Proverbs 31, verse 26, it says, She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You know, and the Lord's bondservant, a leader, must not be quarrelsome but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. In 2 Timothy verse 2, verse 24, write that down. 2 Timothy verse, chapter 2, verse 24, right? It's, you know, when I, when I read this verse again and again as... as you know, as part of being a leader, as being a pastor, being, you know, a, a shepherd in a sense. And as, and as I look at this, gosh, I, I think to myself, man, how far do I feel sometimes from this? A bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind when I'm driving and when someone cuts in and the anger just rises up like as if I don't know where it came from suddenly. And my annoyance and my frustration and I want to, you know, want to honk like as if the person loves Jesus, you know, that sort of a thing. And, and, and I just, you know, and, and then I remember that, hey, you know, I, I have, I think of so many things that come to mind. I need to watch my testimony. What if the person knows me and sees me and then comes to church and then suddenly realizes, hey, you're, the, you're actually a pastor, Right? And that sort of thing. So I think I go through all of that in that split second of wanting to really say something or do something or, or, just, or just really honk for a long while. <laughs> because it's not just honk. It's honk, you know, that sort of a thing. Honk, you know, like that. And the fact that some of you are laughing, I, I thank God that you are probably in that, have experienced the same thing, Right? Hopefully not from me, <laughs> you know, in, the, in, in that sense. But do you know what I mean? I mean, in, in a sense that this is, this, is a, this is a tall order. But when God gives you and when he, when he commands that this is what is expected of you, he provides the grace for that. And I think that's where the comfort comes, that he provides the grace. But the point that we all need to ask is this, do I actually really want to arrive at that place? Do I want to change? Do I really desperately want to change? Right? Sharp words. Sharp words cut the slice like a chef's knife. 
Now, sharp words, they include insults, they, they are jabs, they are curse, curse words, and, and they are usually spoken in anger and in bitterness. Right? Psalms 52, verse 2. This is really interesting. You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. Right? Psalm 52, verse 2. I am in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Psalm 57, verse 4. And this is what David writes. Now, uh, this motivational speaker, John Ron, said this, that if it is not necessary to scold, it is necessary not to scold. If it is not necessary if it is not necessary to scold, it is necessary then not to scold. Save strong tones to sound the alarm and protect, not to harm and scar. So what power fuels my tongue and words? What power fuels your tongue in your words? The Spirit or Satan? The Holy Spirit? Or Satan himself. So spirit-filled words. These, this is the last bit here. Spirit-filled words. Spirit-filled words provide the power and wisdom to harness the tongue. The Bible says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. In James chapter 3, verse 8. Self-effort can't tame the tongue. Neither can good intentions. We need the power of God and we have it. You and I, we have the power of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20, it says this. It commands us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Our words reveal who controls our hearts. A life filled with the Holy Spirit pours out blessing and thanksgiving. Spirit-filled lips make sweet music instead of a noisy gong as such. So Jesus said, for the mouth speaks out of which, is, of which fills the heart. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 to 35. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. Just write down these verses and go back and just, you know, meditate on that, ponder on that, you know. Present your tongue to God as an instrument of righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Ask Him to fill you with His Spirit, friends. Practice offering Him praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 34, verse 1. And watch God infuse your tongue with life-giving power. Do it for the next two weeks. And see what begins to really happen. You know, catch yourself. And, and over the next couple of weeks, actually, practice this. Repetition, repetition, repetition. You know, the more you begin to do that, the more you begin to do that, the more you begin to do that. It just gets easier. I know in, in preparing for this, I, I, I'm more conscious of catching my words. But I also stuff up. And when I stuff up, you know, I just... Man, I just, I just beat myself up like, you know, and I, you know, I just get annoyed. Like, like last night, for instance, I, I was so annoyed with, 
Nou, zo nooit met hulle weer. Right? And I just, and, and I, and I, I just picked her up and I just told her off and I, and, and I reprimanded her. And I said, you need to have the courage to now come and speak to me about this. Right? And so, this morning she did. And I thanked her and I said, I appreciated that. You know, and I, and I really appreciated that. And I explained myself. You know, so, but through the night, I felt horrible. I just really felt horrible that, you know, I had spoken so, and when I say harshly meaning, you know, I raised my voice and I just, and I reprimanded her, you know, in a sense. Wasn't abusive or anything like that, but I still felt that, you know, before she goes to bed and then I'm, I'm speaking this, you know, in, in that sense, rather than to say something that is, that whether, you know, and what I felt was, was wrong, whether I could have done it differently. So, friends, it's not that, you know, when, you know, I'm speaking a message that tells you that I've got it all together, or, but boy, oh boy, I do, I do realize that how important this is. You know, that the words we speak, they are words that create. There are words that set people free. There are words that bring healing to individuals. So if we all practice this together, and if we are all checking on one another and supporting one another, can you imagine what sort of reverberation begins to happen? What's, what sort of sympathetic vibration that begins to happen? You know, as we have our time of fellowship, I know some of you, you know, you, you, you feel you quickly need to leave. Can I please discourage you to do that? Can I ask you to stay back? Because church is not just about coming. Now, this is constructive criticism. <laughs> this is no reprimand. This is, this is speaking the truth in love. Amen. Church is not just about coming and singing the few songs and listening to a message and, and then maybe having pasta for lunch or something like that, you know. And, but it's, it's about really building one another. It's about taking an opportunity to speak life into someone. So stay back. Get to know people. Get to love people that you journey with. You know, the dream I have is that, you know, we, we will be such an amazing community that, that you will find, you know, for those who are youth, young adults, you know, you'll find your, your spouse here. You know, you'll, you'll get married here. You know, you'll find, or when you get married, you bring the person that you're marrying into this place because it's an awesome house of God. Hallelujah. It's an awesome community, right? But do you know what I mean? I mean, we, we build relationship, we build, we connect, we, we encourage, we support, we carry, we journey with, we, we, we journey with, with people, right? So let me end with this, uh, and if I can have the team to come up, please. Evil words. Evil-fueled words, the scripture says that the tongue, not under control of the Holy Spirit, is a restless evil set on fire by hell and controlled, and it is controlled by the, by the evil one, right? So the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison.
But in Matthew 12, it says, But I tell you that every callous word, this is what that really stumps me again and again, every callous word that people speak, they will give an accounting for in an accounting for it in the day of judgment. And I say to you that every callous word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by, for by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Matthew 12, verse 36 to 37. Let me repeat that. But I tell you that every callous word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in that day of judgment. You know, when, when I read that passage, you know what I think? This is how I, I think through it. Oh, that's quite a long time from now. So, I don't need to be that worried. Because after maybe a few more years, I will not be as callous. And God will forget all of the things that, <laughs> that I've spoken to before because now He's going to harp on the things that I am doing really well. So that's how I begin to justify myself and continue to allow myself to be callous. I don't know how you view this. But I tell you that every callous word that people speak, they shall be giving an accounting for it on the day of judgment. So, when, when the day comes, Ross, are you going to be comfortable to stand in front of the Lord? Laurent, are you going to be comfortable to stand in front of the Lord? As you would in front of the camera? Ian, would you be comfortable in standing in front of the Lord when that day comes? Audrey, Malcolm, Chelsea, Lama, Joaquim? Vinny, Eve, sweet Eve, who doesn't say anything. You know, I keep asking, I've asked her this before. I said, Eve, do you speak to your kids like this in church as you do at home? And from what I gather, yes. And I think to myself, oh gosh, this is amazing. Man. So sweet Eve, when you stand in front of Jesus, sweet Jesus... <laughs> she's like the yardstick for us now. <laughs> In a sense, she's the measuring pole. <laughs> I mean, you know, even whoever it is, there is the sense of fear deep within. Am I right? There is the sense of concern. I know I can say that the grace of God is there and the grace of God covers. But I don't want to take away the merit of this verse. I don't want to take away the intensity of this verse, because like it or not, our words are going to be judged by Him. Right. Your words are going to be judged by Him. So you had better pay attention to what you say and how you say it and why you say it. I think that's most important. Why do you say it? Why do you speak it in that manner? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. Matthew, Matthew 15 Verse 18. So, you let your mouth, you let your mouth say anything evil. Your tongue plants deceit. You sit and you talk against your own brother. You slander 
your own mother's son. When you did these things, I remained silent. That made you think I was like you. I will argue my point with you and I will lay it all out for you to see. Write this verse down. Psalm 50 verse 19 to 21. You know, I, 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 have a, I have friends that, to me, I feel really radiate Jesus. I mean, this, this person really blesses me in so many ways, with the way they pray, with the way they encourage, the insights, you know, on their walk with, with the Lord. But even this person, you know, says this, that I, 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 I struggle, I struggle with this, with speaking life all the time. I, I really struggle with this. But I'm believing that God will continue to transform my heart. He will continue to, by transforming my tongue. Amen. You know, the tongue is small but powerful, unbridled. It dispenses deadly poison. Bridled by the Holy Spirit, it blesses, refreshes, and gives life. So is your tongue heaven's tool or hell's weapon? Give your heart and your tongue to Jesus today, my friends. Can I ask you to close your eyes and let me pray this prayer. Lord, I know my tongue often gets ahead of my mind and heart. I'm quick to speak and I repent of the many thoughtless things I have spoken. I'm sorry for words I've spoken in anger or in gossip. Please help me to see when I'm about to speak without thinking and to check my heart. Help me be slow to speak. Help me, Lord, to be a person full of loving words. Full of your spirit. Overflowing with love joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to repeat this prayer, but I'm going to go line by line, and I'd like for you to pray it along with me. Dear Lord, I know my tongue often gets ahead of my mind and heart. I am quick to speak, and I repent of the many thoughtless things I have spoken. I'm sorry for words I have spoken in anger or in gossip. Please help me see when I'm about to speak without thinking, and to check my heart. 
Help me be slow to speak. Help me, Lord, to be a person full of loving words. Full of your spirit. Overflowing with love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Gentleness. And self-control. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. The power of imagination next. Amen. And just as a... Nah. As a, as a precursor, maybe what you might want to go and listen to is Willy Wonka's The Chocolate Factory, the song Pure Imagination. Listen to those. Listen to that. Because I'll, 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 I want to share about what happens in your imagination. That when you imagine and how your brain actually begins to come into play with your imagination and how you create with what you begin to imagine. So if you imagine negativity, that is what you create. If you imagine what is positive, that is what it creates, right? But the imagination comes from the words that you speak. Hence, I'm harping on this, speak life. Amen. Because before you imagine, the words need to be right. You need to get the words correct. You, need, you and I need to know that, that these words can actually really form things. And when I begin to then now imagine that in my mind, you know, I don't know why Beatles came up with that song, Imagine. But if that can be turned around, it can be such a powerful thing. It can be such a powerful thing. So friends, why don't I invite you to stand as we close. 